За окном война, ты спросишь, или тяжело? Отвечу, ну да. А ты как-то держись, моя любимая страна. Мы обязательно встретимся возле большого костра. Слово Украине, слово украинское. I had only one question in my head, like, am I gonna wake up tomorrow, or am I gonna be dead? I see the faces of my friends and family in the faces of these people, and they're, they're ordinary people that didn't ask to go through this, but they're stepping up in a major way. Non-stop amazing patriotism and rallying to take care of each other. You see here in Ukraine, it's unbelievable. The rise of autocracy is, is the end of us. It's the end of us all over again. These are all the conditions that created World War II. They already changed forever. They are kids of war. They will remember for the end of their life. Only the people who went through this occupation will understand the feeling. No electricity, no water, no food, no money. But the main thing, no Russian. <laughs> we don't care all the rest as soon as there's no Russian. You're listening to JD Off Leash inside Ukraine. All right. And before we get started, did you want to get a little liquid courage? Yeah, sure. Why not? So this bottle... For anybody who is listening or watching, uh, there's a fun little story about it. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> and I think that was probably the happiest you've ever been to lose a bet. Yes, it is. So we had, um, we just had a conversation about 12 days prior to the announcement that uh, Herson was, was going, yep. going back to the proper hands of Ukraine. Yeah. And uh, I had made a comment that we would have Herson within two weeks. And you're like, oh, I don't know about two weeks. I said, oh, we'll have it in two weeks. You said you want to bet a bottle of whiskey Even on more. it? I wasn't sure it's going to happen, I mean, like in months. I saw, I, I saw, uh, I thought it's going to take like two, three, four months. I, I thought uh, the day will like uh, stay there forever. So but I said, sure, I'll bet a bottle of whiskey that uh, we'll have Kherson within two weeks. And then it was like 12 days later they announced yeah, that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ukraine was taking back Kherson. It was a and I will say, you texted me before I could even text you. You texted me right away. You're like, looks like you won. Yeah, so, yeah. And yeah. it was a great pleasure to to lose that way. Yeah. So we will uh, we will toast to yeah the freedom of Kherson. Yeah. All right. So let's go actually a little further back than just your story. So you grew up in Ukraine. Yep. You, you started out in Dnipro, which is kind of in the east, uh, not quite as far as Donetsk, but in that direction for anybody watching that doesn't know uh, the geography of Ukraine. Um, but your parents grew up. Did they grow up in that region as yeah, well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So We're basically from from the east. We're coming from uh mostly Dnipro region. Mm -hmm. My grandma is actually from somewhere, a small city near Donetsk. So uh, apparently we are from that region of Ukraine, from, from the east. Okay. And then that is a name, a city name that a lot of people in the west do know, because that's one of the places that Putin most frequently claims uh, as oh. being Russian territory. Donetsk, Luhansk. Yeah. Um, I mean, since 2014, it's been occupied, but even prior to that, 
uh, that's kind of some of the rhetoric he uses an excuse to come in was that those regions are are filled with Russian natives that want to be part of Russia. Um, so we all know that's propaganda, but as somebody whose family roots are there, you and I have talked before about you know some of your grandmother's comments and what it was like growing up in the Soviet era and that sort of thing. Um, you want to talk a little bit about what life was like for them? Oh, uh, it's actually uh, the life here was as far I can remember what 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 they've uh, talked me about, what 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 they said me about the life here. The life here was always tough, and uh, it was really tough for Ukrainians throughout twentieth uh, century. Mm-hmm. All, all the stuff here but the, I mean uh, we can divide it 20th century in uh, three parts uh, basically prior prior Soviet era mm-hmm. so we're talking from uh, till 1970 and after that period they, are, uh, they came here Soviet Union and until 1991 right. so three periods two small ones and one big in the middle. Mm-hmm. So uh, the first one, if we talk about Tsars, they always was tough with the people they lived with. Uh, uh, they became uh, communist. It haven't become better. I think it even became worse. And uh, we had uh, a light of opportunity in 1991, getting uh, independence. Mm, but it's... It's another part of the story. What 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 was the independence for Ukrainians after that? Stuff. Right. And before we get into that, let's talk about that uh, USSR part. Um, okay. Yeah. You're how? When were you born? I was born 1980. 1980. Yeah. Okay. So you probably remember a little bit of the USSR, I but you do probably remember, remember a, lot. a lot about your parents talking. I about do the remember USSR. a lot. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Actually, I lived in a big city. I lived in a Kiev. What, what, what do I remember? I remember uh, we lived. Uh, uh, my memories like starting in in, uh, in the end of eighties. Yeah, so uh, the Soviet Union was already coming to the end, and it was uh, uh, we understood all understood on the talking on the kitchens, talking uh, talking uh, and the dining. Uh, people understood that something's going to happen. And then in one day, it just happened. So Soviet Union collapsed. It just collapsed like in one day, really. Yeah, and what was the, you talk about just the conversations in the kitchen. What was the feeling just from the Ukrainian civilian level? Like, what was the expectation? Like, were you thinking everything's going to dramatically change? Did you know better? Did you, was the expectation that our Russia is going to, basically try to bully our politics and, and try to run things or what was the what was the you expectation know, I uh, actually I was uh, I was seven or yeah, eight yeah. I don't remember quite well and 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 frankly saying uh, parents uh, tried not to talk a lot uh, with the kids mm-hmm. because we had a KGB then right. so it was not safe to talk a lot of stuff which is could be considered as uh, as dangerous for a state right so but it was understood that something gonna happen this this condition was like before a thunder so it was understood that, that i mean they will not keep the country that way and uh nobody knew that it's gonna go that easy way i mean without without fighting mm-hmm. um that's just it it was I, uh, I i don't remember actually the times i do remember i do remember independence i do remember how we how my parents voted for it 
uh, going on their own just elections and uh, voting for a first president and etc. First currency we had before Grivna. So. What was the currency before Grivna? Oh, uh, uh, actually, Ziva started with uh, coupons. Coupons is is basically uh, is basically uh, it, it was the first currency. It was the smaller ones. It was like almost like a postcard. I mean, I mean uh, a stamp. There was almost like oh, a stamp. Yeah. Not 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 much larger than a stamp. So It'd be a little but, hard to keep track of. Uh, sorry. It'd be a little hard to keep track of. No, I mean uh, it was yeah. enough for money, but it was a small a small bill. Right. But uh, the um, the government, uh, together with the central bank, was stupid enough to uh, to publish a lot of them. So they were they were free, and we had a hyperinflation here in 1991 till 1993 people lost all their um, uh, lost their old savings etc so it was it was times when a professor in university could get a salary of ten dollars a month so uh, was that some like basically growing pains of coming out of the USSR and uh, kind of figuring out how to do it all uh, yeah I think yeah. so but uh, I think that's a lot of mistakes were were done, which I could be avoided actually, yeah. but uh, that we have. And mm-hmm. then in 1995, they announced, "All right, we already toyed enough with that, and now we'd like to have a real currency." And uh, uh, they've uh, they've um, just entered with a name, a Grivna, which is really ancient name for our currency. It was here for centuries. Uh, and uh, they've uh, kept it quite well. So they've started with, uh, um, actually, during that period from 1991 till 1995, uh, the real currency here in Ukraine was US dollar, which is not surprised. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is not surprised because it's a little bit more stable than uh, coupons was. Right, right. So people who could... So people would trade with US dollars. Yeah, uh, not trade, but try to save money with US dollars. If you have any extra, you will try to change it to US dollars because it's safer to keep money. In kind that. of similar to how it's being done right now because of yeah. this invasion with everything being fluctuated. I've uh, noticed everybody yeah. kind of tries to hold on to US dollars and then just trade it out when it's time to spend it. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's actually a long story here. Ukraine started in the 90s, so it's it's safer. But, uh, mm-hmm. I'll explain to you now you with, with, with the currency exchanges. So. When they started with Grivna, they started with exchange rate. Uh, one US dollar is 1.8 Grivnas. Oh, wow. And now we have how much, Jeremy, do we have it's, now? So uh, one US dollar is, I believe, 40.5. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it was a long way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and a lot of that happened recently. I believe it was one dollar was 25 Grivna before yeah, the invasion. Is. is that right? Yeah. yeah. So how do you go from... 1991, USSR dissolves, but KGB still exists. Um, I just know from history, Russia still has a lot of influence in yeah. Kiev. How do you go from that to 2014, or even if you want to back up to the Orange Revolution, the Orange Revolution, um, and then 2014, where now the people of Ukraine are saying, our country run by us, we don't want the old Soviet governing style, we don't want Ru- Russia meddling, we want to have our own free country. Like, how does it go from feeling it out in 1991 to see how this is going to go to going, all right, we want to take our country? Like, what was that period like? No, um, uh, 
1991 we got independence we were waiting for for centuries i mean uh, the opportunity to get independence before that was in like 1970 Mm-hmm. So uh so we 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 ta- we're talking about uh, a window of opportunity and it's just open 1991 maybe a lot of people uh, haven't understood what independence is mm-hmm. but uh clearly Ukrainian wanted to be independent wanted to have their own state because we already had everything to be called a nation and a state and also and also we're all over time even russian tries uh, tried to dissolve the difference between russian and ukrainians we are we were different right and uh, what we've started in 1991 we've started to build our own country as as we thought it's the way to build it mm-hmm. so uh, and if you trace to that period you will see that even from 1991 there was a huge difference between russia and ukraine We, in the directions that yeah, they went directions yes, they well they've uh, in 1991 they've just uh, uh they've elected in Yutsar mm-hmm. that's what he's uh, but actually Yeltsin uh, uh, he was uh, more democrat than than Tsar he didn't want to be a Tsar yeah. he has no uh, he has no force to to to, to be it and he didn't want it to be Yeah, when I, that was about the time I was and getting old enough to know a little bit of what was going on in the world, and I remember thinking, yeah, Yeltsin's a crook, yeah, crooked, crooked they, imperial kind of guy. And yeah. now that I've seen what's come after so, him, I'm like, Yeltsin wasn't so bad. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeltsin was not that so bad, if we will yeah. compare to Putin. I mean, I mean m- almost everyone on this planet <laughs> is not, not so bad, bad as yeah. Putin. So, yeah. uh, but if we're talking about Yeltsin, and yeah. uh, even with Yeltsin, there was different direction with ukraine we never in ukraine a law allowed to our government to do that stuff which was allowed to do in moscow mm-hmm. because um there is a difference we we had we had a lot of uh, we, we we had a, a great history of protests here in kiev mm-hmm. starting from 1991 protesting uh from i i mean from for wages for students for right. for uh, coal miners uh and which is was a really uh, tough thing to do in moscow right and uh even remembering my, myself a kid i do remember that um nobody thought about the president that he's elected forever and uh we've changed them Actually, uh, this one is the sixth one. Yeah, you've actually changed them uh, in other ways than just voting, too. When, yeah, yeah. When, when Russia meddled in the elections in 2014 uh, is when the Maidan revolution happened. Actually, I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry. That's the Orange Revolution I'm yeah. thinking of in 2008 when Yanukovych was coming in. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you rose up and said no. You guys messed up the election. That's not right. We're taking yeah. this back and we're getting it right. So. But uh, just to get examples, uh, uh, Putin uh, never had real elections. He yeah. never had real elections. Yeah. He was charted to do that job. Yeah. I mean, he was elected by Yeltsin and the family he had. So I think uh, he promised that the f- Yeltsin family going to be fine and nothing will happen with them after Yeltsin will uh, just uh, go to uh, his pension. Yeah. So, well, uh, but in Ukraine here, it, it, it wasn't that way. We had a real elections here. 
I mean, um, it possibly could be some. Uh, it, it could be it could be messed up with uh, some. Uh, I don't know some some voting, but in not in that volumes which I could change uh, the will of people. Mm-hmm. So we are willingly elected uh, first, second, third, fourth, fourth, fifth, and sixth president. This is our history now, mm-hmm. and Yanukovych is a part of the history. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 not a good part of the history. I've I've uh, I would uh, prefer he would not be a president of Ukraine, but it's what we have now. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I talked to about a couple other people that I've I've been on this podcast with is you know everybody that asks me in the United States. I've flown home a couple times and spoke at some events, and of course I have friends that talk to me, and everybody always wants to know my opinion of. Why is this invasion happening? Why? What's the real reason? Because, you know, obviously I stand up and, and laugh at people that try to claim that, oh, it's because he wants to denazify or there was biolabs on the border. Um, I always tell them how ridiculous that propaganda is. So they say, well, what's in your opinion the reason? And, and you just kind of hit what I always tell people. And that's in 1991, Russia and Ukraine did very different things with this newfound freedom. Russia said, we want to keep the Soviet governing style where it's kind of like a mafia and, and it's basically you got to know somebody and take care of somebody in order to get, yeah. know, get power, to get whatever it is that you want to get elected. Um, and Ukraine decided it wanted to go on a democratic path. And not only go on a democratic path, but... And a democratic people... path at that time was not obviously the reasonable and logical uh, way to go. Yeah. Because well, it wasn't the for... easy way to go for sure. It's mine one, actually. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, so, I was uh, just making sure I turned my ringer off. No, I, I didn't. wasn't sure if I did No, or I didn't. Right, uh, so uh, at that time, democratic route was not uh, an obvious choice. Right. It was, uh, and actually, uh, mm, yeah, I, I know some some people from Russia, and they told me uh, they, they were telling me why you're going such hard way. Mm-hmm. You should do like uh, like we do, just elect one guy. It doesn't change anything. Changing uh, president, you just uh, in uh, you are enlarging a circle of people who are uh, like uh, taking money from for, from a country. Mm-hmm. So. Why you why you do this? Yeah. And and uh, they had a point at that point of time. I uh, it was hard to uh, to explain to them that the way we want to do that because we don't want to be controlled by one person for yeah. forever. Yeah, no, you want to be a true democracy. Yeah, and so the way I s- the way I see it, the way I've I've outlined it to people is that when democracy started to work in Ukraine and you guys economically. We're doing very well, technologically doing very well. Um, the people are happy, and democracy's really working. Putin can't have that next door, yeah, because that's now a direct threat to him. Because there's yeah. so many, like you just alluded to, you had friends in Russia. Everybody in Ukraine knows people in Russia. Everybody in Russia knows people in Ukraine. And right. if this thriving democracy is working so well next door, that threatens his power system yeah. and how he has his power and how he controls the people. And when you have a, a, a system like his, where it's a very small group of people controlling the entire country, yeah. the only way that works is if everybody believes in it. Because you're a very small group of people. You can be overthrown very easily if the people stop believing in the system, right? <laughs> so the entire system depends on the people believing that it's the way to go. And if there's this thriving democracy right next door, 
Um, that's a massive threat to him. And it goes against, you know, he's he's an extreme nationalist who still believes that Kiev on Rusk was was Russia when actually <laughs> when actually it was Ukraine <laughs> um, and, and that Russia's the the stepchild of Ukraine and not the other way around oh, yeah, but it's but our, he, it's our uh, startup so yeah yeah um, but he still has that in his head and then this thriving democracy next door in my opinion we are where we are today because in 2014 when the Maidan revolution took place and and Ukraine proved that the people run this country that the government yeah. does not run this country the people run this country um i think that just started us on the path to where we are now where he said okay enough's enough like they're going to end up joining nato joining the eu they're going to go full-on democracy mode and succeed and that's not going to be good for me so i need to put a stop to it and that's that's how we um, where we are today do you think that's accurate uh it is if you, if you start uh, only thinking from 2014 i've i've just uh Let's get back to 1991 yeah, when we just absolutely. just uh, when we just uh, went to different roads. Uh, uh, this war we started right now. It's it's uh, it started not 2014. We we uh, it started way before. Uh, they never sought Ukraine as independent country. They 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 thought it's gonna take some time, but then when they will become powerful enough. Uh, they will get it back. You believe that was always the plan? It was, was, it was always the plan, even with Yeltsin. Uh, even with Yeltsin, uh, as much he was Democrat, uh, as much he was, was a Russian imperialist. So uh, there is, was um, a case of uh, Tuzla Island. I don't think you know about it. No, I don't so, think so. Uh, if, we'll, if you will look on a map, it is... Uh, Extremely small island between Russia and Crimea, okay, uh, which is on the exit from Azov Sea, and the island name is Tuzla. Island is uh, was a part of Crimea, so it was it is Ukrainian, okay, and uh, the ships could go to Azov Sea only through uh, Ukrainian territory going from uh, through Ukrainian waters. As the part of water which was on another side, on the Russia side, between Tuzla Island and Russia, was not deep enough to ships go through that part. So uh, during a period when um, Yeltsin was president, they've decided, so they have to make, uh, uh, to change it. So, uh, so there is no island. So they decided to build a dam from Russia to that island. So uh, then to claim that the part of the island is belonging to them. So then the channel which is, was going to Azov Sea going to be big control. So uh, it's going to be uh, Ukrainian and Russian in the same time. So this goes way back, this whole theory of we're going to just... Put yeah. some of our stuff there, and now it's ours. Yeah, it is. So just uh, find some time, read about Tuzla. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember about dates, actually. So but this would be the early 90s if it was Yeltsin. Uh, no. Early, mid-90s. I mean, I, mean uh, um, I, I could be mistaken about dates, but it's, it's, yeah, it, yeah. it was uh, way... Uh, they've, uh, I mean, they've, uh, they've tried Ukraine with uh, these small uh, hits 
with the small heads, I mean, small for them, not that small for us, to see uh, how we, how far, they how, how, how far they can go. The same story going with the Crimea. I mean, they've, uh, they've traded uh, their um, uh, military base in Sevastopol for the discount for gas. So they've always wanted to leave their uh, army in Crimea so they could influence the whole of Ukraine. Right. So, yeah, I and, mean... And that's where the West... I mean, and, and then, and, uh, and uh, why, uh, what is... I think it started, uh, the hot phase of this war, it started when they understood that it's not going the way they want to go, uh, and it started with Orange Revolution, with mm-hmm. Yushchenko. Yeah. Uh, I think it was 2008. 2008. Yeah. And uh, I think they've started to make planning from that time. Yeah, I agree. And uh, 2008 was the first time, and again, I don't claim to know everything, but it was the first time that I believe Putin and, and Russia, the Kremlin, did what they always do, and that was meddle in an election to get the person they want in and yeah. the people overrode that and i think that was the first yeah oh my god we they, can't have yeah, this yeah, yeah the people yeah. can't can't change what we do we're powerful we yeah. make the decisions and the people overthrew it and changed it we got to do something about this and i agree yeah. and i think that was the spark that was like okay yeah. we need to figure out a strategy to take over Ukraine. before that yeah. before 2008 it was a uh, punches it was hits it was economical war. It was uh, it was a gas war, but before that, it was not that open. After two thousand eight, now when we look back from the where we now, I see that it was what it, it was really planned way way before two thousand fourteen, mm-hmm. two thousand eight at least. And I think that's a good segue for something that I wanted to talk about. You and I had a conversation about the Russian language. Yeah. When we were talking about, I was mentioning that it was a challenge coming over here because I had to kind of learn two languages at one time. Because depending on where I am in Ukraine, they might speak Ukrainian, they might speak Russian. Um, because I do spend a good bit of time in the East where most people speak Russian. And we had talked about how that was, for one, from what I understand from history, it was it was economics and education back in the USSR, it was just simpler if everybody in the USSR spoke a common language. And because Russia was the largest country at that time, it was Russian. Um, but also that it was probably systematic. Yeah, it was I done do. on purpose by Russia. Yeah. And you have a very strong opinion about that. So I'd like to talk about that. <sighs> because your opinion matters a lot more than mine because you actually live it. Hmm. I'm coming from a Russian language family. Yeah. Uh, my parents talk Russian, and uh, they know Ukrainian quite well. They uh, they can talk Russian, but uh, they are quite old enough to change their language. It's it's a little bit difficult for them. Right. Uh, and also, before 2014, Russian was my native language too. And it's quite difficult to say to yourself one day that, okay, from tomorrow, I talk Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. When you have the whole city, all of your friends, all of your family talking on Russian. 
not all people understood what happened in 2008 and then 2014 uh, when it started uh, the war is like paused on some period of time it stopped yeah so uh, a lot of people stopped uh, stopped uh, changing themselves so they are left with the russian but for russians language is uh, is what they are fighting for actually Uh, they are thinking that we are not, uh, um, there is no such nation. There are Russians, but a little bit different Russians, which are spoken on a little bit changed language. That's the way how they think about Ukrainian language, mm-hmm. which is not true. Right. Okay. So oh, I can tell you it's not true because I try to learn both and they're very different languages. Yeah. They're not the same at all. Yeah. And uh, um, we've... Uh, From uh, from all of my uh, studying, we studied in school. We had Ukrainian language in the high school. We didn't have it in the basic. We studied every every subject in Russian. Mm. So uh, and only in the high school in ninth in the end of nineties, we started to learn Ukrainian, and it was actually like um, not that not that important as as Russian, uh, even in, in the, when Ukraine was independent. Mm-hmm. There is, was no question of language in Ukraine before mm-hmm. Russia invaded. Yeah, and I think the last time we talked about this, you mentioned that you felt that was very much on purpose, that Russia was trying to eradicate the Ukrainian language yeah. at one point in time. Um, there is a common phrase, if there is no language, there is no nation. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what they've, I think, what they've tried to do. They've tried to eliminate Ukrainian. During all uh, Soviet period, what they've done, if you want to have a career, if you want to have a nice job, nice paid job, you have to go to university. So in universities, the best universities, and I think almost everyone, you know, every university is Russian uh, spoken, Russian teached uh, language universities. This is during the USSR yeah. days. Yeah, during yeah, USSR yeah. days. So, and uh, you cannot build uh, any career if you will stick with your language, with your mm-hmm. smaller language, as they thought. Right, right. So, if you uh, want to get real education, if you want to get a real job, if you want to, your kids have uh, an apartment and, uh, and a bedroom and etc., uh, etc., et just just normal life, uh, that's the way it is. You have to learn Russian yeah. and you have to talk it and you have to adopt it. And that's one of the things that I try to tell people because that's some easy propaganda for him to sell is that everybody in the East speaks Russian, therefore they are Russian and they want to be part of Russia. They don't even want to be Ukrainian, which... You and I know is, is a lie. It, yeah, it But is. that's an easy sell to people that don't know anything about the situation because a lot of people in the West will go, well, if they all speak Russian, then they probably are Russian or they come from Russian ancestors, so they don't understand. So that's why I wanted you to talk about that yeah. is the fact that a lot of people who speak Russian did so not because they consider themselves, consider themselves Russians, but because during that era... That was the only way yeah. to move forward in life yeah, was to is. learn Russian. And it didn't change who you were at the core as a person or what nas- nationality you associated with. You had to learn that language if you wanted to succeed. Yeah, it was a title language. Yeah. So and in a way... It was a main language. So it was a main language. And, you, and in a way, that is him building his dam to the island. That is him saying, well, 
I've implemented my language there. Now they're native Russian speakers, therefore they belong to yeah. me. Yeah. Even though really all you've done is change which language they're speaking, which really at the end of the day doesn't change anything about a person. It's it, it's uh, it's a really complicated question with the language yeah. here. And uh, uh, Russian, uh, Russian brought it in a new way. They brought it as a, as a weapon. Yeah. Uh, it was always a weapon, but now it is deadly weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, during USSR period, you just just imagine you just a guy. You want to have a nice job. You want to have some wage. You want to have a family. You want to have a kids. You want to have an apartment or, or, or a house. So, what you do? You 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 study well. You go to university. You get your diploma. You already study in Russian. You study in own Russian. Mm-hmm. You study in own Russian. All languages on Russian, and uh, all languages, uh, all other languages are are considered more valuable, uh, less valuable, le- right, right. less valuable, and they are considered like um, not that important. You could talk with your parents uh, back in small villages on Ukrainian, if you will. It was like but, nostalgic to speak it, but yeah, not actually. But part if of you life. go to university, you study, uh, you study every subject in Russian, then you go to work, you go to a job, and you come into like I mean, to some kind of office, and everyone talks Russian. Mm-hmm. So your friends, schools, your work, and uh, your job, everyone speaks Russian. So this is uh, quite aggressive uh, assimilation of languages. Uh, and um, USSR declares that it is a country of uh, multilingual, multicultural, and multinational co- uh, country. But it's, it, it wasn't so. Right. It wasn't so. Uh, and uh, my grandma is Ukrainian speaking uh, person and my granddad was and uh, everyone who uh, who was born before Soviet Union I'm talking about beginning of 20th century mm-hmm. like 1915 at that period of time when it, it was not considered uh, a nice idea to change their language. So mm-hmm. they left Ukrainian. Yeah, and that's important, again, for people that aren't familiar with Ukraine to understand, is that even in the regions that currently speak Russian, and yeah. we've just talked about the reason they speak Russian, but even in those areas where they speak Russian, they still have their roots in Ukraine and the Ukrainian language. Yeah, um, so just because they speak Russian, ignore what the Kremlin says, just because they speak Russian does not make them Russian people. And that's what's very important for people yeah. to understand. Um, because that's a common rumor. Jeremy, uh, yeah. Australians talk English, but that it doesn't make them Americans, yeah. isn't it? Well, they speak a very different kind of English. But, but yes, but it anyway. is a very good analogy, yes. No, you're absolutely correct. Britain... Uh, Australia, Canada. New Zealand, the United States all speak theoretically the same language, but it doesn't make us all part of one nation. Uh, uh, to my believing, language should yeah. be um, language is given to us as a way as unite people, mm-hmm. a way a way to talk over our problems, to talk about our opportunities, to talk about our business, about uh, relations, etc., etc., and so on. 
So um, if Russians would be smart enough, they could use Russian language as a as a thing as as not as a weapon, but as a point of interest, as mm-hmm. something which is can can attract you to culture of uh, Russian. Uh, of Russia, the year, uh, which could attract you to uh, all the great poems and all the great literature of, of Russian language, uh, which could attract you to Russian economy and trading with them. Making it so, a symbol of Russian heritage. So my point is, uh, if Russia really wanted to Ukraine to stay with it, it shouldn't use Russian language as the weapon, but it uh, instead it had to use language as something which is unite people. So we talk in one language. That means that we don't have to translate in our head our thoughts. That means that we are we we could we could share something, but instead what's what they are saying now? As you speak Russian, now you are Russian. Mm-hmm. That's just like building their dam to the island. We yeah. have we have touched it with something that yeah. is ours. Therefore, it is ours. So, and uh, from for the last 10, 15 years, a lot of change with Ukrainian language, but the dam was like uh, broken in two thousand fourteen. A lot of people, a lot of institution, uh, switched to Ukrainian and started to uh, Ukrainian uh, arrived. To I mean, uh, it was in Kiev. People were talking a lot in in in, in Kiev. But uh, starting from 2014, when we understood uh, what they could bring to us, uh, if they consider us Russians, mm-hmm. so people started from an, on a on a basic level in the families started to change their language to Ukrainian and started to speak um, in families at uh, at a walk, etc. Mm-hmm. So uh, and now what we have you now we have we have a lot of um, laws which are which are helping Ukrainian to to become uh, again um, the primary national yes, language. The, it is a primer. It, it, but, it, but it is anyway. actually spoken primarily yeah, i mean language, spoken yeah. uh, all around ukraine mm-hmm. spoken all around ukraine yeah. if you're talking about western ukraine i mean uh, if you uh, went uh, if you go from you from kiev uh, 100 kilometers on the west it's all ukrainian it's all ukrainian yeah you you already been there you, yeah. you and a lot of them it. don't even understand russian yeah, yeah. and uh, if you will go to a small villages of uh, uh, of the east, I mean, uh, even in Donetsk region, if you go to a really small villages, you will see that people speaking on uh, on Ukrainian language. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little bit different. The older generation, yeah. older generations, they do, and uh, that means that it's alive in there, in right. even with all of so that. That's propaganda. where the roots still yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, now we're in a period of time when, uh, uh, for for example, uh, my. Um, Younger daughter, she's uh, seven, uh, seven years old, and she's like in a second uh, degree now, so second class in school. Mm-hmm. And uh, her teacher, when they've started uh, um, uh, this years, I mean, of, of studying, yeah, uh, she came to a class, they've asked her about Russian language. 
just by the way, what what what's about Russian? Daddy um, said I'm not allowed to speak Russian. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. She, it, it's, 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 it's not what what she uh, told to them. So, and uh, what she told to them is that you know, kids, I knew Russian quite well. Uh, I knew it quite well at some period of point of time, but then just in one day, I just forgot it. I just forgot this it. This is what she said? Yeah. That's awesome. So I just, I knew it, but now I don't. <laughs> That's what great. can I do? So, and, uh, That's fantastic. Yeah. And um, it's what Russians are losing. Yeah. They are losing a lot now uh, in Ukraine. They are losing in a military way. They are losing in a, in a, in a cultural way. It is forever. Yeah. And uh, with the language... Uh, it was a stupid idea to bring it up on a, on a subject as a, as a, as a point of our likeness. Yeah. Well, it's it's probably the third excuse he used for coming in. I think the first one was was bio labs at the border and NATO, <laughs> and then it was denazifying Ukraine. Oh, Jeremy, come on! And uh, then what's and the reason to the, bring? I mean, announce I mean, the I mean, Russian language. How, but how 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 stupid you have to be to just just to. Uh, just to uh, to come with such ideas by a lot it's oh, the first point the yeah. second point how stupid you have to be to believe in that and how well people and, didn't and that's why he had to move to number two and then number yeah, three hold on a second but yeah. with, 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 with that by laboratories what's the reason yeah. for United States to open a by laboratories in Ukraine yeah well, my favorite part of all of this, whether you want to look at the bio labs okay. or the NATO infringing and preparing to invade Russia, NATO and the United States has every reason on the planet to fight in this war and go after Russia right now. There's war crimes committed every five minutes and they still aren't doing it. So how can you claim that you did this because you were afraid they were about to fight you? Like, they've got every reason to fight right now, and they're still not fighting, which that's an entire other conversation. But you can't claim that it's because you were afraid NATO and the United States was going to invade your country when you have given them every reason to invade, and they still are not invading your country. Um, but th So then it comes down to the language. That was his third string. Because then it became denazify, which I think everyone just had a good laugh at. Like, if anyone is a fascist tyrannical government style it's russia like if anybody's <laughs> closest to nazis it's russia um i mean they're trying to commit genocide essentially right now yeah. and, and clean out the ukrainian culture so then it comes to the russian language and that one sadly got a lot of traction in the west i've had a number of friends um, I've heard a lot of news stories i've heard podcasts with people that i respect who are usually very intelligent and say you know everything I agree with, uh, make the comment that, well, you know, Ukrainians have persecuted anyone that speaks Russian in Ukraine and, and the Russian speakers all want to be part of Russia. And I was like losing my mind. Me and my friends who were here were just like, you've clearly never been to Ukraine because there are millions of people wearing blue, yellow, carrying a flag, Slava Ukraini that speak Russian. Yeah. Like that's, as we just said, we don't need to talk about it all over again, but just the, the reason for the Russian language I has nothing to do with their, their desire to be Ukrainian. They are still Ukrainian. They want to be Ukrainian. They want nothing to do with Russia. Um, 
And yet a lot of them speak Russian and that should not matter at all. It, uh, it wasn't matter in, in Ukraine at all. It, you, you could speak in any language. It's it's yeah. it just, you won't speak Russian, okay? You want to speak. I still have a lot of my friends here in Kyiv who speak Russian. Oh, there's quite a few people in uh, uh, Kyiv that speak Russian. And yeah. just their choice and, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm just fine with that. Uh, even more, it, uh, you will never get in any kind of conflict if, if you're not looking for it uh, with the language. No. We, uh, for example, uh, there was a, a myth about that. If you will go to Lviv, which is Ukrainian talking language city, and you will talk there in Russian, uh, you will get yourself in trouble. And it was uh, that myth, uh, it was alive even before it started. I mean, in 2005, 2008, when Norwegian Revelation happened. So uh, I were in Lviv at that period of time, a lot of times. And there was no zero and no problem talking to mm-hmm. non-Russian on that. Yeah. If you're friendly enough, if you're asking what, what something was with, with, with the locals, you want to talk in Russian? It's your own problem. Talk with Russian. You will get you will get answer answered yeah. on Ukrainian, but you will be understood and you will be listened. You will get yourself no trouble at all. Yeah. And um, well, like you said, it was just his way of putting ownership on a group of people. Yeah, it is. So they speak Russian, and then in order to sell that, especially to his own people in Russia. You say, these are our people and Ukraine's being really mean to them. They're picking on them. They're persecuting them. They're putting them down. We need to protect our people. It's all a made-up story. Anyone who has spent any time in Ukraine knows that it's bullshit. It is. But that is that is how that propaganda, and of all the silly stories he came up with, for whatever reason, that one actually stuck a little bit. So I talk about it on almost every single podcast because I want everybody back home to hear there are a lot of proud Ukrainians who speak Russian. Yeah. Millions and millions of proud yeah. Ukrainians who speak Russian. Um, and, for, and actually, uh, we have to talk about uh, that in, in this case, in case of this war, language for him is just a case to start a war. Yes. But the, not the reason why he started. No. He haven't started a war just to save some... No. Russians. He started this war to save himself. Mm-hmm. That uh, he started this war, it, it just really easy because he was getting away uh, with his uh, crimes quite a lot. Georgia, Crimea, Chechnya. Chechnya. He just get along. Everybody thought, it, all right, it's your problem. You could solve it. And uh, what he thought that. Uh, as uh, he was, he was lucky enough for such long period of time that he will not uh, run away with his luck, and that he, he it's it is stupid. But he he thought that Ukraine is a weak and a small country, which is not. No, it is not. the largest country in Europe. Yeah. It is forty-two million at least, and uh, it's and it is it is bad it's idea the to strongest fight. hearts. And determination Thank I've you. encountered anywhere in the entire world. What what he thought said, yeah. all right, I have I have uh, my elections in uh, March two thousand twenty four, which is only uh, one and a half year from now. 
They're not very real elections, but yes. But hold on. <laughs> anyway, yeah. any elections you have in a country, it's some kind of uh, stressful period. It's Plain an opportunity, yeah. even though if the people don't yeah. run uh, Russia, a lot of powerful people in the Kremlin do. And yeah. so he needs to impress them. Yeah, yes. so what I saw, he, he thought, all right, we will go to Ukraine. We will fight with the government. We will take it easily in uh, months. Three I don't days. think he even thought it was going to be months. Yeah, he, he thought yeah. about uh, days. Yeah. He thought about days. Yeah. And he thought that it's going to be a great price for his uh for all of his for all of his presidential election 20 years time. He thought it's going to be easy and it's just a piece of cake and he will bring it until his last days. Yeah, that's one of the problems with the imperial system so like I'm, that. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, but by all means, keep going. Uh, so, uh, and thinking so, he had to, he had to, um, to come with some idea why he has to go to that wall. So the language is, is not a cause. Language oh, is... Oh, I agree. It, it is just made up. Yep. The only idea to go uh, with in this war is just because he wants to stay in that chair. He wants to be a president of Russia forever. You don't think there's a part of him that truly does believe that Kevin Rusk and Ukraine belongs to Russia and he wants to bring it together in his warped mind? I'm not saying it is true. I'm saying you don't believe that's part of his desire is to be the guy that brought all of motherland back together again. Um, I don't think he really yeah. believes in that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's hard to imagine what could be in the head of the in, in the head of that person. You don't want to go into that head. No, he, he's a crazy bastard. So and and um, but if we go what what he likes and what he wants, uh, you can tell about a person about uh, a, a lot by the way he looks, the way he talks, and what he likes. Mm-hmm. What he likes. He likes a really nice life. He has his uh, enormous new uh, house in uh, in Russia, which is Navalny discovered. I mean, nine thousand square meters house on a, on a, on a, on, a, on a seaside, etc. So he likes a life as it is. He likes comfortable life. He likes uh, yachts. He likes uh, women's. He likes uh, wines, etc. That means he uh, has quite straight mind about what he wants. If he would be some kind of uh, idealistic person, I mean, uh, thinking uh, all of the time about bringing Kiev back, he would be. He would not be needed. All that wheels and all that houses around Russia. So, I mean, I think he, he, uh, he trying to fool all the person around, uh, around him and also, also he fooling himself. So it's double fooling, just yeah. his head is, is just something uh, which is, uh, I, I hope we eventually could, uh, could see him on, um, in a court. So possibly he will... It's a big dream, but I share it with you, yeah. I don't think it will happen, but I don't think he could uh, tell the truth at all. No, no. 
I personally think there's a large element of pride. Um, if you follow his life and his career, he grew up poor. He yeah. grew up in, in, a, in a bad place. And the way that he brought himself from where he was to where he is, is he has always found the person with the most power and influence and figured out a way to be the guy they needed. Yeah. Um, when he was in the KJB, they called him the moth yeah. man because he would. they said he would just be completely silent, kind of not the best, not the worst, just what, blend what in you... and just watch and see who had all the power and then become, become the person that that person needed. Yeah. He would fix all their problems without them asking. He would make all of their problems go away. And and that was how he climbed. When he was first elected, nobody even thought that he would be on the ballot. Appointed. Yeah. But he had enough people in power who knew this is the guy that, that fixes all our problems. He's the one that will do anything. He has no conscience. He'll kill women and children. He'll do whatever he has to do to yeah. fix a problem. Um. And, and so I think some of this is an extension of that. I think it's him him having that pride of being the guy that everybody needs. And if he can be the one that reunited uh, the Kivon Rusk world uh, with Russia, I think there might be an element to that. But obviously, like you said, none of us can get inside his head. <clears throat> and I don't think I no, want to get inside his head. He, no. he uh, I, I think we could consider him as a guy who was who was needed to solve a lot of problems of powerful people in Russia. Yeah. But as he get up on the on the highest chair in Russia, that means he doesn't care anymore about that person. Yeah. So he could do anything he wants to do. Yeah. And uh, this is the people of Russia who brought him to that chair. Yeah. Uh, that is the people of Russia who who uh, who, who were fine with with uh, with that idea that. Uh, Yeltsin came to them and uh, on 31st of December 1999 he you possibly didn't know about it but we have a tradition of welcoming uh, um, citizens of the presidents mm-hmm. on a new year eve so it's around uh, noon uh, five minutes before new year a president uh, speaks I mean it's recorded and uh, he speaks to each nation it's a tradition going way back to USSR So on the New Year Eve of year 2000, Yeltsin uh, told that he's tired and he steps out. And eventually the second person already was um, Putin and he was a prime minister at that time. Mm -hmm. So as Yeltsin stepped out, he immediately became uh, a guy who was... uh, just I don't remember how it's in English. So he was not a president, but he was m- making his job as a president. Mm-hmm. So if something, interim president, interim is what president, we would call yeah. it. Yeah. So uh, and uh, Russian people were fine with that idea that they 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 didn't get any elections. They get a guy who was elected by the previous person. Yeah. They were fine with that. Appointed, okay, yeah. appointed. That's it. There are no words that I can find to adequately describe what I encountered when I came to Ukraine. These people are incredible. This cause is the most worthy effort that I've had the privilege of being involved with myself. If it's something that you feel you want to become involved with, either by volunteering or donating, I would ask that you look into Dark Horse Allies. Dark Horse is the organization that I'm involved with over here. It's a nonprofit organization. Members have been operating in Ukraine since the early days of the Russian invasion. 
Comprised of both civilians and military veterans like myself from around the world, the Dark Horse is a collective of volunteers on an independent mission to try and preserve innocent human lives. The name Dark Horse is a nod to the unbreakable spirit of the Ukrainian people who entered this battle as underdogs, but have inspired the entire free world through their determination, and as we always tell these guys, by surviving with their hearts. If you would like to become involved, please head over to darkhorseallies.org or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at facebook.com slash darkhorseallies or obviously instagram.com slash darkhorseallies. By signing up right now to become an ally for as little as $7 a month, you could become a part of this effort. We would love to have you join us. If you're interested in volunteering, please reach out through the website. We do have opportunities for anybody that wants to become involved on any level. And now we return to the podcast. We appointed this one. He's going to be a new president. All right. Fine. Uh, so, and uh, after, the, uh, after he got to the chair and uh, all he've done, he've, he've rooted all the, all the money, all, uh, all the resources to his friends and him. Yeah. Now, what do you think his actual goal on... February 24th this past year this invasion what was his goal because obviously he changes it every time he gets defeated it's well I wasn't actually trying to take Kiev I was just trying to take the Donbass and Crimea and then when he loses Kherson well I wasn't actually trying. so so what do you believe was his intention to take all of Ukraine yes it is yes I agree I all of Ukraine yes. no no talking no, no. Uh, even not talking any small uh, districts left no. not occupied. He wanted all of Ukraine. He wanted all. Uh, he wanted all, all of Ukraine. Yeah. So but take. He already lost. He already lost when he could not make it with a cave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The war. The war for him were lost uh, around three weeks. Uh, in the first three weeks. Yeah. It, it was lost at, at that time. Yeah, and that's one of those problems. And basically, so sorry to interrupt you no, again. By all means. But. If he would go to negotiations with Ukraine at that period of time, I mean be- beginning of uh, April, mm-hmm. he would get a great condition of going out from Ukraine. But again, he's stupid enough to push his idea to the limits. He didn't understood that he lost in, in a march. He did it uh, when he had to go out from Kiev and from Chernigiv and go out from uh, from um, uh, from Sumy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't understood that it's time for negotiations. Then we saw a butcher, and that was a turning point for the West, when everyone and we saw uh, what he will do with Ukrainians. Yeah. Bucha is not some kind of a separate case. Oh, it's all the time. It's just all the time. It's what they are bringing with them. Yeah, it's it's like I was mentioning earlier when we were talking. It's part of why I am doing this podcast, because people do not understand what's happening over yeah, here. They yes. don't. And, and we could go over a million reasons why media doesn't talk about the war crimes so much, because obviously that would implicate both, according to the Geneva Convention and NATO's charter, Uh, the West is supposed to step in if there's war crimes taking place. And so there's a lot of reasons that they may not be acknowledging. But like you just said, that is not an isolated event. That is happening everywhere. They're finding it now in Kherson, as we all yeah. knew they would. Um, 
I have spent time in Mykolaiv. I have spent time in various places where we're burying civilians every single day. Um, and in and Kiev it makes also. my blood boil. And, yeah. and in Kiev, yes. Um, when you're talking about his his miscalculations and his not understanding, that is one of the things coming from a military background. Um, one of the many, many reasons that democracy is a superior uh, government style to imperialism or having a czar. But one of the reasons is just that. When you control people through fear and power, you're never going to get an honest assessment from them. Yep. And I think that Putin, I and I'm not alone in this, most, most in the intel community feel this way, that he really believed... Yep. that he had one of the most powerful militaries in the world. Um, he had a lot of us. He had told the story so many times. He had a lot of us convinced. Yeah. And I mean, I am, I was military. I joined in 2000. So 22 years I've been in the world of military. Wow. You know, I was out of the military for a while, but still obsessed with, with foreign affairs and everything. So I've been in the military mindset pretty much my whole life. And, I, w I thought they were like the second best military in the world compared yeah. to the United States. Little did I know, like my daughter and her friends could kick their ass. Like, oh. like they're, they're a terrible military. But without going too far down that rabbit trail, when you have all of your commanders and everybody sitting at the table with you always telling you that everything's perfect, that we have the best mechanized division we have the best paratroopers we have the best this everything is perfect yeah. everything is wonderful our weapons all work our machines are all top-notch everything is great because they're terrified of you yeah. instead of telling you we need to work on this this is not going well we've got to fix this you make stupid decisions and, and he really was convinced that yeah. he was going to walk right into kiev and take kiev and even when everything was going wrong, the commanders were still telling him, everything's going perfect, everything's good, everything's according to plan. And they're still trying to do it. They're still trying to make it sound like retreating from Kherson was on purpose, and it's a tactical maneuver. I mean, they did the same thing with the big push that took Isium and Lyman. Same thing. Well, it was a tactical retreat. It's actually strategic. And anyone in the military community is going, you're full of shit. You just got your ass kicked. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. But that's what happens when you have yes men, when you just have people that, oh, are, yeah. that just want oh, to yeah. please you. And oh, that's yeah. one of the huge downfalls among a million other reasons that imperialist government doesn't work. You know, the problem is not only in a yes person all around him, but also in degradation uh, in a quality of assessment around him. Mm. As long uh, um, uh, in... In normal systems, I mean in economic systems, in, in corporations, in governments, uh, the, most, uh, the most educated, the most talented who has to go up. Yeah? In the system which he built it in Russia, uh, it's not the case. Uh, they have uh, the guys who can... Who can uh, uh, who can uh, read minds of their uh, boss well is that the one who goes up. Mm -hmm. So it's... Um, Whoever can please him or say what he wants to hear. Yeah, yeah. so it's the selection of worst. I'm 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 not I'm not sure I'm getting quite well at in, in English, but no, it's it's, it. it's the point which which I was. Uh, it's not um, 
uh, evolution, it's uh, going down in evolution. Correct. So uh, the problem is not his. Uh, it's not intel. reaching the top because yeah, you were so, the best at what you did. So it's because you were at the best at saying what the uh, what the powerful person wanted to yeah, hear. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about that the guys who uh, around him they came to him. There was they were uh, not only uh, they brought not only. Uh, stupid ideas. They were stupid also, these guys who, who brought the stupid ideas. Because they didn't belong uh, in the position that they yeah. held. So, and also, uh, except of uh, miscalculating their own possibilities, they've miscalculated Ukrainians. Oh, yes. Well, they've miscalculated yeah. Ukrainians. Uh, you know, I know a lot of military guys and a lot of military guys here in Ukraine understood that it's going to happen that the war is coming to us. You will push this uh, mindset till the last moment. But the signal, there was a lot of signals that it's going to be. Oh, yeah. But as uh, normally, as, as, as we consider ourselves a normal person, you will push that mindset and that idea away from you. It not happened last year. It will not happen this year. It not happened yesterday. It will not happen today. Just a normal day, another normal day. But the next day, in the morning, in the 5 a.m., you get a wall. Okay. So, but uh, eventually, we saw that a lot of person who was in the military, starting from 2014, were ready for that. And were anxious to fight with Russians for all the stuff they've done to Ukraine from 2014 in Donetsk. A lot of our military uh, saw it as opportunity to show that uh, we we could protect ourselves. Yeah. There is no such case of uh, uh, of uh, DNR and LNR. There is no such case of this kind of this this fake state. There is no such state uh, such stuff as a, as a line between Ukraine and uh, Donetsk. There is uh, it has to be eliminated, and these military guys now got an opportunity to prove it that uh, there is there is a person who are Ukrainians who can fight for their country, and I've uh, often think that uh, this is quite a long war. And uh, as this fight was for the last 300 years at least, more or less Ukrainian and Ukraine didn't have an opportunity to win in that war for for 400 years. Mm -hmm. And I think now, only now we have a great opportunity to uh, to really get a victory and uh, to get uh, a calm life. I agree. No, eventually, I... eventually, yeah. after 100 years, I'm uh, often saying to my wife that, uh, that I think about all the generations of Ukrainians who, who fight it with Russians in their way. Small, I mean, not always in a military style. In a style of protest, in a style of uh, uh, in a style of Ukrainian uh, culture, in uh, Ukrainian songs and Ukrainian dress and Ukrainian uh, culinary, etc. Preserving Ukraine was also a fight. Yeah. Preserving a language was also a fight. 
So uh, now all that generations are looking on us from the skies and they are holding their hands so so they they are willing us to to win eventually. And I do believe that. I think I have I've got that sense from every person I've talked to is that this is the fight to end the fight. Yeah, it is. That this yeah. has been, as you just laid it out, the struggle for generation after generation to preserve Ukraine. And this is the one that I think everybody in this country views as it's going to be hard. It might be long. Yep. It's going to be tough. But when it's done, it's it over. Yep. We are Ukraine. We have our boundaries. Russia can go fuck itself. Yep. We, have, we have shown the world who we are and it's done. We're not fighting anymore. We're not protesting anymore. We have our country and we are finally free. Um, and that's why every one of us that's over here wants to be a part of this because I sense that I can will, see that. I can see so. the pride. It will be so. This is the, this is the American revolution of Ukraine. Yeah, it, uh, it really is. It's, it's, yeah. it's the defining moment. I truly believe that. And I try to talk to people um, who talk about the support coming from the West and like, well, is our tax dollars really going where it should? Like, should we be sending so much to Ukraine? I always tell people no matter what the West does, the outcome is going to be the same. Ukraine will win this war. Ukraine will have every inch of their territory back. Yes. And Russia will have learned its lesson and will need to stay away. The only question is how long and how many innocent people are going to have to die before we get there. Yeah. So the Western support is saving countless Seven lives. lives. Yeah, it is. But it's not changing the outcome. No, it's no not. No matter what, everyone could leave. They could all stop trying. They could all stop helping. Ukraine ain't quitting. Ukraine will win. So that's why I say the Western support is so critical because no matter what you believe the outcome should be, it's not going to change. It's just how many innocent people are going to have to die. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right here. Because no matter what, I'm telling you, I have encountered militaries all over the world. I've I've traveled all over the place. I have. Ne- I say this to every unit we work with. I've literally never met people like the Ukrainians with their heart, <laughs> their spirit, their drive. It's it's astounding to see what they're capable of doing with just hard love for what's behind them. Yep. Um, and then that's, you know, like you said, it's the two-edged sword. It's He overestimated his own military in Russia, and he underestimated Ukrainians. Yep. And not only the people, but the power of motivation. Russians aren't fighting for anything. Yeah, vast majority of them don't even want to be and here. It is a big problem. And they're fighting for yeah. nothing. Ukrainians are fighting with so much pride. They're not fighting because they hate the person they're fighting against. They're fighting because they love their families. They yeah, love their is. heritage. They love their cities. They love their country. And you see it in every video that comes out when they take a town, when they take a city. You see the the civilians greeting the military. It's like, this is what we're fighting for. Russia doesn't have any of that. Russia doesn't want to be fighting, and that. It makes it insanely difficult. We have taken, I say we, the Ukrainian military has taken uh, captives and hostages, prisoners of war, who have come over and gone, hey, can Jeremy, I fight I with think, you guys? Jeremy, like, I, think, I think you you already can say can we. Can say we. Yeah, I'm getting there. Because, yes, I'm yes, getting yes, close. Yeah, get, uh, yeah. You know, uh, you're absolutely right, because uh, the Western help uh, saves lives. Uh, it saves uh, it. Um, I mean, I um, 
on 24th of February, I haven't. Uh, I, I thought that we will have a great problems here in Kiev. That's why we went with my family to the west. Yeah, actually. So hold, hold on a second. No, a second. we're going to talk but about that. We, but I yeah. want to talk about. Let's do that. I want to talk about February 23rd. Okay. 23rd. Do you remember the day before? Oh, yeah. Quite well. <laughs> okay. Did you see it coming? Like, obviously, everyone knew that things were getting yes. very, very tense. Yes. But, like, did you think yes. this is happening very soon? So, um, February 23rd is Wednesday. Yeah. And uh, Putin uh, addressed, uh, started all this stuff on, on no, hold on a second. Uh, he, uh, he pushed it on a Monday when he uh, made all, all that, um, I mean, that large meeting with his committee of, uh, yep. uh, uh, I don't know how, what, what, what the name of that stuff, I mean, that like, like hats of all the stuff. It was military. Security Council. Security Council, yeah. you're right. Yeah. So uh, I understood uh, by his face that he already have taken a decision. Okay. Uh, with that Security Council, what he has done, he've uh, he uh, put a blood on every person in that room. Right. He so is the only reason to bring them uh, all that people in that room was to put a blood on them. So he just tells them that that's it. You just till the end with me. So you know it's coming. Uh, I was. Uh, I knew it was coming. Did you believe uh, it was going to be full scale? Yes. Come for Kiev. Yes. No. Yes. And I was uh, actually, uh, I was not alone in that. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of my friends thought um, there was a different uh, thoughts about that. Uh, some people thought that uh, he will take even really three days. That it's already done. Uh, some people thought that we're going to fight. And some people uh, flew from Ukraine uh, before the war started because they understood it was going. Yeah. Did you believe at the time oh, yes, I did. that Ukraine was going to hold on and be fine? Yes. Well, not fine, uh, but that no. they were going to keep them out of Kiev? Uh, if, 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 uh, if I, uh, to be frankly, I wasn't supposing that we could keep Kiev. I thought the line would go a little bit more Western. Mm -hmm. Uh, there is a city of Rivne. Oh, I'm familiar with Rivne, but I hold on, I gotta ask. So you thought Russia could potentially take Kiev, but that Ukraine would continue fighting even after they took Kiev? Yes. That is very important for people to hear, because yeah. that's why I want people to understand that no matter what, Ukraine is not giving up until this is won. Because a uh, lot of people would go, whoa, 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 you thought they were going to take Kiev and Ukraine would still keep fighting? Yeah. I agree with you, knowing what I know now and the people I've met now. But that's important for people to hear. Yeah, um, um, I didn't. Uh, I'm not a military guy. I don't know a lot of, about military. But from the point I knew, uh, from uh, from what what I knew about my country and about its geography, I know that we have a quite straight and open road from Belarus to Kiev, which is only 110 kilometers. Right. So for a tank, for, for a tank, it's only two hours. And uh, this road actually was built during USSR period, and it is four lanes. So two lanes to... Well, it was. Oh, it was. <laughs> it's not anymore. Not anymore. I've driven that road several times. It's, it's in... 
very intentional disrepair at this point, but no. yes. Uh, but um, <laughs> I think it was built that way intentionally. Uh, to give direct I, I, access. I, you, know, you know, there is a yeah. city of Chernigiv. There is mm-hmm. a city of Chernigiv, which I, I love. And uh, I, I've, uh, I've been there a lot of times. And I, wo- I was also uh, I was surprised why we have this road, because it was never so used, highly mm-hmm. used. All over time, it it was no reason in nineties in in two thousands to have that road. It was An only access, it yeah. was on only thirty percent occupied by cars. That's it. It was yeah. it was uh, I didn't it, only uh, like five years from now. It was really heavily used, mm-hmm. but still, it's not it's not that busy as the road which are going to the west. Mm-hmm. So getting back to 23rd, I've, I've t- uh, we have to go to 21st on a Monday yeah. when, he, uh, when he addressed to his council and to his nation, etc. I've told to my wife that uh, the voice coming and uh, to save our kids, to save your lives, we have to go out of Kiev now. Mm-hmm. So you left on Tuesday? No, I didn't, because my wife told me that uh, you must be joking. Uh, Our smallest daughter has a birthday on 26th. Oh, that's a terrible timing. Uh, Yeah, yeah, and she told me, uh, it's not that. I've ordered a restaurant for kids. We've already uh, had an invitation. We had a party. We had balloons, and we have a cake. We have a party no. for our kids. You must be joking. Yeah. And just, just go to sleep. I'm talk- and, I'm, and I keep telling to her that now it's coming. You know you're going to have to sleep on the couch after this podcast. We've spoken about, about this stuff with her. Just going to the West, to yeah, go yeah. into to Western Ukraine. I've spoken about her. I, I've told to her. I've told you so. <laughs> I've told you so. It's going to be so. Okay, don't drive it home too much or you definitely will be sleeping on the oh, couch. Oh, no, it's going to be fine. She, 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 she's, uh, she's a great one. Okay, so you guys stay because, I mean, and that's something that a we lot of people... We stayed because it was, uh, it's our home. Yeah, and a lot of people don't understand either in the West. Like, unfortunately, a lot of Americans specifically don't travel outside of the United States. Um, you know, it's not quite like here where you can just jump on a train and go to other countries in Europe very easily. You have yeah. to cross an ocean, but it's still no excuse. Fellow Americans, get out and travel so you understand the world more. Yeah, but come to Ukraine. Well, after give it a little war, bit of time. After the war. After the war. Actually, don't don't encourage too many of them to come because I like what? Ukraine the way it is. I don't want it to become too Americanized. Um, but no. So for a lot of people, they don't understand that there is no difference. Like a Monday here is just like a Monday in my hometown of the United States. A Wednesday is just like a Wednesday. A Friday is just like a Friday. Yeah, you yeah. and I are sitting here drinking the same whiskey I drink in the United States. And, and it's it's the same. We're all human. And, and it's even progressively the same as far as your, your cities and, and what's available. Um, it's just a very, very similar culture uh, to the United States. And people don't understand. Like, it literally comes down to little things like your kid's birthday party. And you've already made reservations at a restaurant. Yeah. Like, this isn't just war hitting some weird foreign place where people don't have the normal life that you do. Like, this is the same thing that would happen in the United States. Yeah. A situation where the husband is going... 
honey, I'm paying attention to things and I'm telling you there's about to be a war and they're going to come for our city. And the wife going, honey, we have plans on Friday. We've already reserved the restaurant. We've <laughs> oh, got yeah, the balloons. There's a pony. I don't know if there's a pony. No, but there's a kid's, <laughs> but, birthday, but the idea, there's a kid's birthday party. Like yeah. these are very real things. And these are very real conversations that would take place in the United States yeah. as well if it was over there. Um, so you know that they so the wife wins and you don't leave. Yeah, we didn't. But actually, okay. the restaurant we paid, we we, we paid the front. Uh, you have to make some kind of deposit. Okay, I'm guessing right? you never got that money back. No, they did. <laughs> they, they, they gave get, it back. Yes, they did. This is why Ukraine is amazing. They, Everybody here is no, so good no, to each no, other. No, they, 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 give, they give all the money we paid to them. It's not much, but anyway, Still, uh, that's incredible. the restaurant is closed. The oh, restaurant really? is closed. I was just going to ask you which one it was because I was going to go spend my money there. No, it's a, it's a kid's one. It's a, just okay. for, for a kid. It's just um, like a playground. But but anyway, they, they yeah. gave money back. That's incredible. That's incredible. So you guys stay yeah. 5.30 a.m.? Is that when it starts on the 24th? Uh, yes. It started in the morning at 5 a.m. Uh, your first... Um, and uh, your first... Um, your first thought when you hear such... Uh, what such, do you hear first? Uh, do you we, hear air raid sirens? Do you hear no, booms? What's no, the first we, thing you we, hear? We we heard booms. Okay. We heard, uh, but first when when we heard the first one, when normally you sleep at five a.m. So when you wake up with that stuff, you think that it's some accidental stuff. Mm-hmm. You didn't think it's a war, but when in a minute or so it's uh, it hits again, you understand that something happened. Yeah. Because you already have that background, you all already the bullshit that he understand told. that this could be coming soon. Uh, and at that moment, at that moment, you understand that the war came to your house. It just not come to some some other country on the television, or even just another or part of the country. But just it's right another there. period. You understand that it is here. Yeah. It is now in your town, and it's now in your hands that you have to save your family. You don't think anymore about your business. You don't think about your like projects or some opportunities you could or you had to have in some future. It's nothing more. Uh, In a small period of time, like in 30 to 40 minutes, we we brought all the stuff we, we thought we need and we put it in my car and uh, it is, was really frightening that all of your life could be gathered in a car. Yeah. How old are your ch- ki- children? You said you have a seven-year-old. I have, I have two girls. Uh, my older daughter is Maria. She is 11. And my younger daughter is Victoria. She is seven. And what are they? Are they understanding anything during those 30 minutes? No. No. And I'm sure you were trying hard to keep them from understanding. No. Yeah. You're just going straight to them. Yeah. You just, you cannot, uh, in that minute when it comes uh, to you with, with that, uh, with that boom, so you, uh, you understand that you will not be able to hide it. Yeah. You, you're uh, understanding that uh, 170,000 uh, Russian warriors standing on your borders and they could be in Kiev in hours, you understand that you will not hide it from your family. Yeah. So they're in the, the car. The only thing you can do, you can just, for, for, for that time, 
you have uh, if you reasonable you have to run and that what all all over kiev thought it's a great idea so all the roads a little bit of traffic no it was not a traffic it just was a complete jam it yeah. was a jam just everything stopped yeah. now were you trying to go west or were you trying to get to shelter we tried to go to west i've booked a hotel uh, near lviv so uh, that was the idea to just to go somewhere to reconsider our position to reconsider where we now what we now what we're going to do next how we're going to save our family how we will uh, where we will shelter where we will get our food how much money do we have uh, how uh, you know i was never thinking about a gas in a car i was never thinking about that stuff i've i've always uh, uh, always driving in kiev i was driving till the end yeah. Well, like, you're used like, to like anytime until, you need fuel, you simply stop and get fuel. But here. I was uh, normally before a war, I was waiting until it's, it's uh, the limit is like ten kilometers. When it's yeah. when, when the guy is saying to you that it is ten kilometers to to a stop, you yeah. go to uh, yeah. for 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 gasoline. Yeah. Don't tell me you were on empty that morning. Uh, I was only half a tank. And the car was ta- uh, saying me that when when we uh, went from our home, it was saying me that I have like petrol for six hundred kilometers. Yeah. But standing for four hours in a traffic jam, it became four hundred. So during so that time, it disappears, in, and you understand that it's not the way how how it should be. During that time, you're sitting in that traffic jam. What was the expectation? Did you believe that? Ukraine was going to hold them off from Kyiv. Did you believe that Russia was simply trying to bring troops into Kyiv or was there concern that they were just going to come in and bomb the shit out of the whole city while you're sitting there in traffic? What we was were, in your mind? We were not afraid of bombing because uh, we understood that it's just like pointing stuff. So it's probabilities uh, probability story. Yeah. So you could be hit but but uh, it it is really low probability uh, Probability. probability so you didn't expect them to just carpet bomb yeah. the city yeah because uh we've uh, believed in our military guys yeah. and uh we believe that for at least for some period of time we save okay okay and uh what we thought gonna happen we saw that they have such powerful military that they would just overcome all we have now so it was just trying to and get out going of Kiev back before that happens. Yeah, and and yeah, because uh, again, uh, if we're talking about war history, women's and kids and older people are not the best person in a war zones. They uh, has not to be at that places. Right. Uh, the first thing you have to uh, the first thing you had to do you have to save uh, women, children, women, and children, elderly. and elderly. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That was my plan to do. That was it's what was we were doing. Mm-hmm. We just uh, shrinked to to a to a car, and we are we we were trying to save ourselves. Yeah. Uh, at that point of time, in the morning of twenty fourth, I thought for Kiev it's gonna be hard. I was sure that I will get back to Kiev soon. You just wanted I, to get the wife and children. Out. Yeah, I had a plan to. Even I don't have a military, a military uh, background. 
I saw a lot of people going to uh, military departments, to military uh, places, uh, just staying in a queue to get in. I uh, I understood that all my life is here, and uh, I um, I will get back here anyway. I will fight for my country, I will fight when my time will come and uh, I just need what I need to do now. I need to save my family to make them safe, to make them uh, to some shelter and then we will think about it. And I want everybody listening to understand because this is one of the things that just impresses me and every one of the fellow volunteers that have come over to work. So you guys understand, he has a PhD in economics. Yeah. <laughs> He's a businessman. He's an investor. Yeah. I have with that. no military experience whatsoever. And the first thought he has when this starts is, let me get my women and kids to safety, and then I'm going to come back and fight for my country. That is Ukraine in a nutshell. And hats off to you for that, because that is not something you will see in a lot of countries. That is, but that is the Ukrainian spirit that we have all seen and been so impressed by is you are not somebody who should be thinking I'm going to go fight, but yeah, you are because you're Ukrainian and that's what you do. And that's incredible. But continue your story. You know, um, um, to uh, thank you for your compliment, but during me, you know, It's not easier now, I mean, now in November than it's in February. It is, it is still uh, a full war now going. But for Kyiv, we're safe. Relatively. Almost, yeah, yes. relatively safe now. And my kids and my wife back uh, in Kyiv, they've uh, been in Germany for two and a half months, but then they've said that they won't go home. Uh, they had in Germany. They had uh, they they went to school. Kids, uh, my friends helped them with a small apartment, uh, with no rental payment, so they could they could s- stay in Germany, in one of the richest Western countries. Mm-hmm. But they, it's still not home. Yeah, but no. uh, and and eventually. Uh, I've uh, I've told to my wife to to Svetlana that's that's your decision. I am not advising you to go to Kiev. It's not a good idea. It's it's not really a good idea. And she said, I don't give a care. If we are family, if we are Ukrainians, we have to be together. Or you come into Germany, or we go to Ukraine. I said that I will not go to out from my country because I need it here now. And I need to save what is uh, left from my business. I need to be here because uh, I had 40, 45 people working with me and in my company before it was started. Now we are left with like 15, 17 people. Uh, I'm trying to save every job I give, but it's, it's really hard to do really now. But um, it's what makes us Ukrainians. We, we have to, to help each other. Yeah. So and now, you know, it's, uh, I haven't uh, thought a lot about 24th from that time. Uh, but now going back to, with you to that time, I'm thinking that 
sitting in a car in a traffic jam, I thought that uh, we will lose a Kiev, we will have a partisan war in a Kiev, and we will fight it back. But uh, again, I'm not a military guy, but I thought that it's going to be painful, but we will fight for every street. Kyiv was once, I, I, at that day, I thought that Kyiv already once uh, uh, demolished during Second World War mm-hmm. and rebuilt it after that. And it was needed like five years to rebuild it. You guys are ridiculously fast at rebuilding things. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's, <laughs> it's true. So There's places that were demolished just in February and they're already like a brand new, beautiful building. I'm like, how did building, you do bridges, that so fast? Yeah, bridges, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was thinking... Uh, at that point of time, on 24th of February, I thought, all right, uh, they will push on us, but they will not push us to the borders. It's our, uh, it's our country. We will get back to Kyiv. We will, we will gather men. We will take arms and we will fight it back. All right, it will be uh, demolished. It will be, it will be, uh, it will be not that beautiful as it is, but we will rebuild it. Eventually, we will rebuild it. Mm-hmm. That was the plan for, for a Kiev. And uh, uh, getting back to the point we started, we started about Western help. Yep. And I do think that bravery of uh, Ukrainian army and uh, help and the help we get to the before 24th of February saved Kiev. Yeah. Uh, now I'm talking about javelins. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about two roads going from Belarus to Kyiv. They are quite uh, narrow, so javelins are, was a star of a show. Oh, yeah. And uh, if we would not have javelins at that period of time, I don't know how it's going to come to Kyiv at that point of time. Yeah. From talking with the military guys at that point of time, I know that it was uh, a huge surprise for Russians. They are not welcomed by by uh, flowers, yeah, and uh, they are not welcomed by a, by a bread. You know, we have a, a culture of giving a bread to someone like 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 a symbol of of hospitality, right? And uh, instead, we are welcomed them <laughs> with, with javelins uh, and in laws, yeah. yeah, yeah. So. At, uh, and uh, at, at that point, they are, uh, the army was like not broken, but it cracked. And we understood. Oh, it was and pretty we, damn broken. <laughs> you guys broke it pretty uh, damn well. The, yeah, the force that was coming for Kiev, yes, that was, that was a very impressive. And the force they came here in Kiev, it, uh, it was the largest force Ukraine seen from the old directions. Yeah. It was. Uh, I, I didn't know the historians will will tell us well what what's actually happened, how much was on each side, and uh, what the conclusions. I mean, in, in years we will know they're true, but the truth is, bravery plus Western help, it saved it saved Kiev. Yeah. But I have to add from myself again. I'm not a military guy, but I think uh, this help was provided mostly for partisan war. I mean, Enlau and uh, Javelins are, are the arms which are needed for one person. 
So you can give it to anyone, even mm -hmm. you can give it to me in like, I don't know how, how much time do you need, but it's not substantial time mm -hmm. you need it's to. It's not that complicated. Yeah, it's not that complicated. It's not hard as an iPhone. So it's just, you just point, <laughs> you just point, you just push a button. Uh, there's a little more to it, but not much. <laughs> yeah. So no, and just uh, to get the idea that uh, I think West didn't, didn't consider us uh, that we could could fight that well. Didn't consider. Didn't consider the, the same. The, the same you've told me that uh, everyone considered Russia as a second, second largest military force on the planet, mm -hmm. and nobody seriously considered Ukrainians. Nobody seriously considered. Ukrainians. I hate what to admit that, but it's true. It's true. And also, we, we thought so. We thought so. We thought so because uh, you get a lot of information. You see that Russian parades. You see uh, uh, tanks they have, the, the amount of ammunition, uh, etc. Um, I hate to admit it now that I have been here and I've met Ukrainians. I've seen what the military is capable of. But when I came over in the early stages of the war, I thought I was coming over to try and help as many people as possible survive, stay alive, and had my exit strategy for when Russia finally made it to Lviv, took Lviv, and I was getting out. That was, in my head, it was going to be try and help as many people stay alive as possible, um, try and help these innocent people in Ukraine, but I did not expect Ukraine to not just keep Russia out, but whoop the shit out of them. I mean, it has been it has been incredible. It has been one of the most rewarding months, seven months of my life, working uh, alongside these Ukrainian military guys, and 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 seeing not only what they're capable of, but just the kind of people that this country pr produces is just am yeah. amazing. It's it's and the biggest and it's embarrassing to think of what my perception you know, was prior. And uh, uh, it's it, you know we just we just people we uh, it's good that we can we can acknowledge that we were mistaken. Right? It's, well, it's a good, but uh, we we you, now you we sure showed the world. You know we now deal with a guy who cannot acknowledge his mistake, mistakes. Mm -hmm. He cannot acknowledge his mistakes. Well, that's I've what you're told you before. Yeah. I've told you before. Uh, he could had a great exit strategy in March. He could had really good one in you April. Think, you think that but Zelensky now, would have accepted in, sorry? in March? You're sorry? talking negotiations in yeah, March, yeah. early April. You think Zelensky would have would have what? What do you think that would have been? I don't know. I, I'm seriously. I, 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 again, uh, I think at that point of time, uh, Zelensky uh, would consider going to the line prior 24th of February. Yeah. Just, really? So just to put yeah, a stop to this. Just just stop it is. Just stop it is. Go back. Declare a victory. Yeah. And that's and and we are stopped now. And also we are talking about that uh after Kiev was not taken in three days. Uh or we three are this, months or, or three six mo months. No, I mean, or seven months. I mean, you know, yeah. you had changes. Your 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 thought changing. You're seeing that after a day, coming a day, and a day, and a day after it, yeah. and you're seeing that uh, Kiev is still fighting, and we are still capable, and they are stuck, and they have problems, and they have all that uh, fried tanks, 
lying all around of Kyiv and they are cannot get in in Kyiv they are somewhere on outskirts so they are not not able to get even few tanks in Kyiv so uh, your mindset changing you're thinking all right we're not talking about river even line we're talking about taking uh, at least half of Ukraine back yeah. uh, we're talking about that Kyiv is not that vulnerable as we thought so we can uh, we can save it we can save it for our people to our economy to just to to streets we know so and with each day we understood uh, in the middle of march we uh, when they are military stuck here we understood that they will go eventually and if they uh, would stay they would be just killed everyone here so that's it so uh, when Kyiv was saved I've told to everyone which was speaking that this war for Putin is already lost with Kyiv if he would take Kyiv he could have some um some negotiation points he could talk him over half of ukraine at least but without kiev it, it doesn't work out yeah. without kiev it will not work out in any way yeah well never you keep saying you're not a military person but you are a business person you understand you have to have a victory you have to have an upper hand yeah. in order to negotiate yeah and that son bitch hasn't had one victory so uh yeah he, he didn't but and again uh it's a lack of information he has so a lack of or, or quality of information or his own mindset i and i know he's thinking about but but uh for me as a businessman i mean in business you don't win every time sometimes you lose sometimes you win better when you win often than uh, to lose it <laughs> that you make profit <laughs> right so uh i think in politics it is the same it is the same but more oh, rough yes. so so uh, when he couldn't get to the kiev he had to get some kind of a pause he could get his power back or just to keep what he already reached yeah but he's stupid enough to push it to the limits and to believe and when people he, are telling yeah, him even though yeah, they've been giving yeah. him bad information yeah uh, and uh he could talk uh, uh at least uh donetsk and lugansk region uh he could uh leave it with with himself as his prizes yeah but he was again he decided that no i could i could i could win it i could but but even for me who i'm i'm not a military guy it was it was underst- uh, it, it was clear that without kiev it will not work out well that goes back to again him him believing what people were telling him even though they had been telling him the wrong thing so many times i'm sure the conversation was okay we'll withdraw from kiev but we'll just repaint the the objective as all we wanted to do was free because you got to remember that's the words they're using is liberate oh yeah uh the the donbass region in its entirety and crimea and then we know how that worked out next thing you know there's a massive push and take back lyman and take back Izium and and avdivka and get closer and closer to donetsk and then now the kherson 
liberation by Ukraine's forces. It is just You're absolutely right. It is liberation by Ukrainian forces. Absolutely. They haven't left by their will. And I think one of the great things about Kherson is there were some major talking heads in the United States, people that have a massive audience, and I won't name names, but who have made the comment many times about Crimea specifically that, well, Crimea, they want to be part of Russia. So need to leave it alone. Now there's a whole, we could talk for hours about that. And the fact that the vast majority of pro-Ukrainians have either been evacuated, deported, or killed. Yeah. Um, and that it's very systematically been infiltrated with uh, Russians and, and placed there um, to try and get that demographic where they all want to be Russian. And even then it's not true. But what's beautiful is those are the same things that everyone said about Kherson. Yeah. Everyone kept saying the people of Kherson want to be part of Russia. Most of them are Russian. So it's so wonderful now that it's been liberated to to let the whole world see video after video yeah, after yeah, video yeah. after yeah. video after video of all of them saying, No, it was hell. We want to be Ukrainian. Yeah. We were very pro Ukrainian. It was We're it was, ready to be without electricity. Yeah. We're ready we are ready to be without war. Without water, we ready to be without any mobile connection, internet. Uh, but we want to be Ukraine. Yeah. Have you seen? Uh, I mean, everyone's seen all that. Uh, a lot of videos from Kherson where people going on the parades. Uh, they they're going yeah. out with uh, Ukrainian flags. Oh, yeah. You know that the Russians are questioning these videos. Oh, that yeah. They're questioning uh, amount of flags where they. Get that flex. Have you seen the videos? Yes, I did. Oh, it's just the beauty. They had them hidden in the garden. Yeah. They had them hidden under the steps. They had them hidden. You know, for and, me. And that again, it's not just like, oh, the propaganda was wrong. They're not actually wanting to be Russian. Like, they're so hardcore, proud Ukrainian that they kept the flag and hid it under the step because they knew so one gonna, day they're going to be able yeah. to pull that back out and throw it up. You know, yeah. uh, When I'm when I'm seeing video like that, when people are digging out their flags of Ukraine, first of all, I do believe that Ukraine will exist. Ukraine will oh, exist yeah. for 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 quite a long time. Oh, Ukraine's going to win this war. Yeah, yeah, and zero uh, doubt. And uh, the second I think that it is really proud for me to be Ukrainian now. You should be. And I am. This is a big, big you. moment in history. And the third one is. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, my emotions are going just, just yeah. over, over, over the bridge with, yeah. with, with this flag stuff. I mean, <sighs> I cannot even imagine what the people uh, uh, was, was thinking doing that, because if that flag would be found, oh, they would have been tortured and killed. Yeah, yeah, that's reality. So. In reality, we talking how much about it meant to them. yeah. So we are talking about that it's not just a piece of clothes for a person. It stands for something. Yeah, and uh, hiding it. I mean, um, if Russians would have canine uh, dogs, they would found it. Yeah. If they wanted to find it they would find it but eventually we here now seeing this video seeing this amazing uh, people who saved this story that means that 
for them they waited for Ukraine yeah. like for eight months for eight months without letting it break them and I'm gonna throw a fourth you said three things that that meant to you this one's going the other direction they like to talk about Russia likes to talk about how they're denazifying Ukraine where else do we remember stories from history like that World War two with yeah. the Nazis yeah were killing the Jews were killing the and they would hide all of their proud Jewish heritage items yeah. in boxes in the backyard, buried, waiting, hoping one day they'll be able to be proud of who they are again. And and so I think it's important that people draw that damn parallel. That's what's happening again. This is an attempted and failing, thankfully, ethnic cleansing. This is a situation where just because you have a blue and yellow piece of cloth that means the world to you, you could get tortured and killed yeah. just for having that. You can that's, just you you just can throw it. That's the situation. You can throw it in a, in a garbage. You can just fire it up, and then you will buy a new one. No, no. no. But uh, uh, seriously, just now when I'm getting to this, uh, thinking about these people having that flag, I'm just thinking about. First of all, they understood that uh, eventually just a cause, but it means to them so much. They're saving, even risking their lives. Yeah. We have said many times. Sometimes I don't know how 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 uh, how we came. I mean, uh, how we came here with, uh, with 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 the nation. How we become because you know before the war we didn't know that we have that kind of uh, society that uh, with the volunteers we have now with uh, with all the help to the all the people who are in need now. Um, in normal life, uh, you don't see it every day. You just see a uh, city in a rush. That's it. You see a business, uh, business uh, all, all over the place, restaurants and cafes, but you don't see, uh, you see people walking, uh, you, but you don't see people helping. It's one of the things that we talk about. And when I say we, I'm talking about me and, and my team and, and volunteers, foreign volunteers <clears throat> that I've worked with over here. We say all the time, when you face war, and between all of us, we've been involved in damn near every conflict that's happened on the planet for the last 20 years. Um, when you see war, it always emphasizes human characteristics. So you will usually see the best in the good people, and you'll see the worst in the yeah. bad people. It is One of the reasons we are all so blown away with Ukraine we're just seeing the best in people period i mean there are soldiers fighting for ukraine who have a sibling that is being tortured right now there's soldiers whose former teammates in their unit were captured and tortured and killed and yet when they capture somebody they treat them like a human when they encounter civilians in villages they treat them like gold and bring them potatoes that they could use because they're hungry too like the ukrainians we have seen nothing but the best and i talk about how everyone from like we were just talking about the phd with economics that wants to fight for his country to the to the like in the united states there's there's certain 
demographics of people that are, you know, super materialistic and, and like to, you know, look good in front of the camera and everything and don't generally care about anyone but themselves. I'll see that equivalent here of somebody who's super popular or all about materialism. But this war happened and now they're using that platform and all the people that, that look up to them, using it to, to raise money to buy cars to send to the front, to get coats to send to people in, 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 in you know, whatever town, name it, in the East. Like everyone in Ukraine, we're just seeing everyone's best side. We're like, okay, usually you see like the best and the good people and the worst and the bad, but it's just nonstop amazing patriotism and, and rallying to take care of each other um, that we see here in Ukraine. It's unbelievable. It's I mean, it's the reason that literally everybody in my organization, every one of us planned on coming here for like one month, no more. And we've been here for six or seven months. It's And, and it's because of that. It's just when, when you see this many people uh, rising to the occasion to take care of each other, you can't walk away from that. Like, yeah. you've got to be a part of that. It's a great idea. It's great that you uh, you've seen Ukraine. You've seen our our people. You've seen our our principles. You've seen our our life. But it's it's a tragedy that we are we are we we now in a war. That we yeah. we we share a moment. I mean, we could we could show you. We could show it to the all of the all of the world. This stuff about Ukraine without a war, it is unnecessary war. Yeah. It is doesn't bring anything. It is unprovoked. It is unfair, and it is tragic. And that's the worst part now is that even Putin so, knows I mean, he's not going to win. Yeah, it's unnecessary. He, so yeah, it's just it is unnecessary. Killing. It is stupid. Yeah. He will not reach his objectives. He will not reach his yeah. targets. I don't know how he will go to his elections in one and a half year, and uh, he has to. Uh, he now, uh, from my point, he went to the long run. He went to a long run. He oh. hopes uh, support of Ukraine will uh, will will lower in a time, so it will go down. Maybe Republicans. His hope. I don't know. I'm I'm not about. Uh, I don't know nothing about. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm I don't have a right to talk about U.S. politics. But his hopes is about. Yes. Republicans and changing mindset in Europe about changing to the other direction or to freeze them or something else. Uh, he's counting on the fact that the West generally does have a short attention span. Yeah, so yeah. that's his idea. So he has a, he has the possibility of a longer run, and from economic point of view, he's still a little bit right. Yeah, he's a little bit right. I think. Uh, the hit a Russian economy has with the sanctions is not near enough. Yeah. I w- actually, I wanted to spend some time talking about the economical side of this because that's your wheelhouse. Can so we make a small pause? You beat me to it. I was just about to say, do you want to take a break before yes, we jump please. into all yeah. of that? Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's take a break because I do want to talk about that stuff, but we've been okay. going at it for a while. So well, let's okay. take a quick break. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this, please click like, comment below, subscribe, 
Let us know that we have your support. It means the world to us. And we hope that more people can have their eyes open to what is actually happening in this country by talking to the people who are living through it. Thanks again and have a great day.